If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Ken, and uh, if you need to get baptized, maybe you've made a commitment to follow Christ, and like I just have never publicly uh, declared that through baptism. Our next baptism is Sunday, March 3rd, and we would love for you to be a part of that. In the bottom of your Connect card, you can just mark that you'd like information on baptism, and we'll get you that information. We are in a series called The Power to Change, and here's what I know about every person in this room. Uh, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, we eat have things in our lives that we want to change and some of those are things that won't be okay telling other people about and then some of those are things that we're like yeah that's so personal it's so private I don't even think I could tell anybody in my life but these are areas that we deeply want to change and sometimes if you've lived life long enough you get to the point where you even ask the question can I even change like I do, do I even have the ability to change? Some changes are beyond our ability to even control. They're changes that have to be made by other people, but, but we desire change. And here's, here's what I want you to know is that our God is able. With man, there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I think change begins with the faith to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine, that we have a God who is bigger than the situations and circumstances that surround us. And so that change is possible, and God has power to bring about change in your life. Last week was our first week in the series, and we talked about some mindsets that especially Christians, people who call themselves followers of Jesus, tend to have when it comes to change. The first two are unhealthy. They're the wrong mindsets, but, but we tend to have them anyhow. And the first mindset is only me. It's this idea that if change, if change is going to happen, I, I got to be the one to do it. And so we, 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 we recognize that we're saved by God's grace. We recognize that, that, that when we that when we die that we're going to go to heaven but but we but we think that the change the things the struggles in this life that it's all up to me this this idea that if it's gonna be it's up to me if it's gonna be it's up to me and so sometimes we we tackle change with this only me mindset but that's a wrong mindset that's a wrong attitude to have toward change because listen it, it won't work you don't have in and of yourself, you don't have the power and the strength to make it happen. A second mindset that a lot of us adopt is kind of the opposite of this, and it sounds super spiritual, but it's still a wrong mindset, and it's a mindset that says only God. So I'm just going to sit back, and if God wants me to change, God will change me. And can I tell you, there are some moments, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and there's some like divine, like suddenly moments where God zaps people, and you'll have someone who's an alcoholic, and God will just zap them, and they'll, they'll have a testimony of, I, I never drank a drop of alcohol after that. And that's awesome. And I thank God for that. But can I tell you, that's not the majority of the time. There are suddenly moments, but most of the time what we see in scripture is God wanting people to partner with him. And this leads us to the third mindset that we talked about last week. And this is a correct mindset. It's a mindset of God with us. God with us. And we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul, who used to persecute the church, and now he's become an apostle and he says, look, I'm the least of the apostles. I know I don't deserve to be an apostle. I know I've sinned and I've messed things up, but the grace of God was so powerful and so unique in my life and God changed me. And then he says this, he goes, and I have worked harder than all the other apostles. It's like, wait, Paul, you, you seem a little messed up there. What is Paul saying? He says, he says it's, not, it's not one or the other, it's both and. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved not of anything that I can do. It's not by my good deeds. It's not by going to church enough. I'm not saved by my good works. 
I'm saved by grace through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, when he took my curse upon himself, the punishment that I deserve upon himself. But listen, as I follow Jesus and I'm wanting to become more and more like him, it is going to take work. Anybody with me? You're going to have to do, you can't just sit on the couch and wait for God to change you. You're going to have to partner with him. This requires, we talked about last week, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want for me today? Lead me today. As you're reading scripture, you're reading scripture and you're saying, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to change? How do you want me to think different? How do you? And, and, and I'm just asking the Holy Spirit, I want to partner with him. This is God with us change. Well, today I want to talk about an aspect of change that I'll be honest, I don't hear a lot about in the church. We talk a lot about this in kids' church. We talk a lot about this in youth ministry. But we don't talk about this with adults because I think somehow we think this is just an adolescent issue. But I'm telling you that if you're going to change, one of the key areas that you have got to pay attention to is your relationships. The people that you surround yourself with. I grew up, and I, I don't know where, where I first heard this. I'm sure it was in church, or maybe my parents said it. And, but there was this phrase, and maybe you've heard this too, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. How many of you have ever heard of that before? You've heard of it because it's true. Show me your friends, and I don't care if you're middle school, high school, college, if you're in the midst of a career, you're a mom and dad, you're retired. I don't care what age you are. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Because your friends today influence your choices tomorrow. We become, whether we realize it or not, and so much of this is subconscious, we become like the people around us. Proverbs 27, verse 17, this is in in scripture, it says this, and this is so pivotal. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Just as iron can only become sharper when it is in contact with another piece of iron, we can positively or negatively influence and refine each other simply through doing life together. Whether you realize it or not, a lot of what you do is because you've seen other people do it. I mean, so much of this is stuff where you don't even really realize it. I was thinking about this uh, Literally yesterday, it came to my mind that I'm, I'm one of those weirdos in culture. I'm one of those weirdos who does not drink coffee. I know, gasp, horror of horrors, right? Anybody else in here, you don't drink coffee? Oh man, oh, I'm not the only one. Sean Swander raised his hand. I thought for sure you'd be a coffee guy, right? And, and so I was thinking about it, like, okay, here's the deal. I, I don't drink coffee. And listen, it's not because I grew up Mormon, <laughs> okay, like, I, and, and my wife drinks coffee, my kids drink coffee, my, our, our dog drinks coffee, like everybody in the house <laughs> drinks coffee. I don't drink it. And you know, I started thinking about it, like, why don't I drink coffee? And it dawned on me, neither of my parents drank coffee. They both, I don't know if they thought they were from Great Britain or something. They were tea drinkers. They would drink tea all the time. Cold tea, I, you know, hot tea. And so I grew up in a family that that they drank tea and so I don't drink coffee. But you know, it never even dawned on me why I don't drink coffee. Well, of course I don't drink coffee. Coffee was never in our house. I never woke up in the morning with the smell of coffee. It wasn't a part of our DNA. And and, and here's, here's the thing, so much of what you do, so many of your behaviors, so many of your actions, so many of your habits are direct results of what you see people around you do. We do things, we, we shake hands in our culture because we see everybody else do it. Some of you, your level of alcohol consumption is because of what you see in the people around you. 
And you know what? In another context, people would think that you're weird or strange or off. We do all kinds of things because other people do it. We wear fashionable fluffy boots because we see everybody else wearing them. Right there. Thank you, Delilah. I love it, right? There's a whole list of behaviors that studies have found that we do simply because we see other people doing it. We imitate what other people do. Whether it's adopting healthier habits, overcoming an addiction, managing stress, having positive friends will help you make positive changes. And scripture says this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become what? Walk with the wise and become what? Walk with the wise and you become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And again, this isn't just a high school thing. How many of you know people in their 40s and 50s? In between services, I had a friend who was telling me about a, a mutual friend of ours that we both love so much, and, and he's in his 50s or 60s. Sometimes we do really stupid things and make really horrible decisions. And a lot of it has to do with who we surround ourselves with. So can I just ask you a question? Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? And I know the spiritual answer would be, well, I'm walking with Jesus. Okay. I'm glad you are. And we'll just add in the Father and the Holy Spirit while we're at it. Take the Spirit off the list. Who, who on this earth, who are you walking with? Who are the people who are influencing you? Who are your friends? Listen, we don't have a say in a lot of our relationships. You didn't have a choice when it came to your parents. Good, bad, or ugly, right? Some of you have great parents. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. You didn't have a say in your siblings, right? Once, once they're to a certain age, you don't have a say even about your kids, about your grandkids, right? Listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of relationships in life that we don't really have a whole lot of control over, but I'm telling you, there, there are friendships that you do have control over. You can choose your friends. Do you choose to spend time with people who are wise? Or do you have, do you have friends who appreciate Jesus and are actively trying to follow him as their master? Do you have friends who regularly read scripture? And some of you are like, that's weird. I can't imagine having friends like that. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Would you say that your friends are friends are on the foolish end of the spectrum? See, you become like who you hang out with. You become like who you hang out with. Alan Dutchman, we often prefer to think that change is all about the right process. And listen, Americans, we love our self-help books. We love all the Oprah-esque gurus and Netflix specials on change. And we love strategies on change. And, and we'll read all the books and we'll listen to audio books on change. Alan Dutchman says, we often prefer to think that change is all about the right process. But what's more important are the people. I'm telling you, this is so important and we don't talk about it enough. He says it's a hit or miss endeavor that takes time, energy, frustration, and resilience. But when you find the right relationship, Alan Dushman says, when you find the right relationship, anything is possible. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have experienced that in a positive way. Your life was going down a certain trajectory and you, you, you connected with a friend and that friend just changed. It just changed things. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about, maybe, we'll see, uh, a little bit about that in my life, of, of a friend who just made all the difference in the world for me. 
Maybe for you it's the opposite. Like you were going, life was going great and you got a friend and the wheels came off and you're still reaping a harvest from really stupid decisions that you made because of foolish friends that you surrounded yourself with. You know, scripture gives us so many great examples of the power of friendships in bringing about change. I mean, you think, you think throughout scripture, you think about some of our heroes, and so often there are people who are connected with others. I think of, of Esther and the influence. Maybe you wouldn't call it a friendship, but a, the strong relationship of Mordecai who came alongside her, and, and a good friend will push you, right? Hey, Esther, just so you know, I think you were born for such a time as this. And if you won't follow through, God's gonna bring up somebody else. See, a good friend, throughout scripture, you'll see the power of friendship. One of my favorite examples of this is the friendship of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you grew up in church world, went to VBS, you know those names. If you're not used to church, you'd be like, what'd you just say? Can you say those names again? I don't know why we don't name kids after them anymore. (laughs) If God blesses you with a child, I'm just throwing out there, you have a baby boy, we need some Shadrachs in this world. We need some, (laughs) we need some Meshachs, come on. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes, that was their names. They they grew up, and, and we can add Daniel because it really was a quartet, it was four of them. And these guys grew up, and maybe you think the situation that you're in is horrible. Maybe you think you've been dealt a bad hand of uh, cards. Um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego grew up in a horrible time in Israel's history. They're living their best life in Jerusalem, and the Babylonians came in and invaded Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, destroyed the city gates. I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly. And one of the things that the Babylonians did, and this was kind of common in that period, the Assyrians would do the same thing, is they would come in and they would take the best and the brightest young men, because it was a, that kind of society, sexist, and, and they would take these young men and they would force them to march to their capital. So they would march from Jerusalem to Babylon. It was about 500 miles. Just so you can have a comparison for us, that would be from here to Atlanta. So they're chained together and they march to Babylon and they tried to change their identity. This was an incredible system of indoctrination where they would, through education, through, I mean, they changed their names, they changed their haircuts, they changed what they wore, they're eating different stuff. I mean, it's, it's just this inundation of culture, and they're trying to change their identity. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and Daniel chapter one, they, 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 they've had their names changed, they've had all these things happen, and they finally reach their Popeye moment where they're, that's all I can stands and I can't stands no more, where, where they wanted them to eat food that had been sacrificed to false idols. And Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they take their stand and they say, we can't do that. And God comes through, and it's a really cool story. We don't have time to go into all the details. But I submit to you that they were able to stand. And, and, and I, I, believe, I believe that God was, was powerful and that they could have stood. One of them could have stood by themselves. But can I just submit to you that it's easier when you have other friends standing with you? I, I believe that, that God's going to raise up individuals who will stand when nobody else will stand around them, that, that, that you'll stand. But it'll be easier if you have other godly people that are standing with you. 
And this was the truth for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You get to Daniel chapter 3, and I don't know what happens to Daniel. He's not in the story at this point. It's, and and, and Be- uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the emperor of Babylon, he, he is so insecure that he does what insecure people do. He has this great big statue built of himself. Aren't you glad we don't have insecure political leaders anymore? So, so grateful for that. And so he has this great big statue of himself built, and he hires a band, and he says, this is in Daniel 3, he says, every time the band starts up, here's what I want you to do, everybody, everybody is going to fall to their knees and suck carpet and, and bow to me, and, uh, and that's how I know that I have your worship, that I have your adoration. And so the band kicks up, and he starts playing, and wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you would drop everything, and you would bow to the statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are now, they've advanced, people have seen their wisdom, they've kind of advanced even into the governmental system, they have influence, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when everybody else immediately drops, some of you just woke up, I love doing that kind of stuff, they they drop, they're sucking carpet, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand strong. People fall on their knees, and there's three who are like, I'm not doing it. God alone sits on the throne. I'm not bowing to any man. I'm not bowing to any image. I only bow to God. Again, I submit to you, they were able to do that because of the power of friendship, because of the power of influence. Thick as thieves. I mean, these guys were so, God used them so powerfully. And in your notes, you can see some of the, some of the, you know, how this works, you know, how do good relationships actually help me to change? I'm going to skip that section, but I want to get to a question of maybe you're here and you say, okay, I understand. I I need good godly relationships in my life. But some of you are just, just to be honest, you say, Ken, I don't have that in my life. I don't. I look at my family and they're a bunch of fools. And I look at the people that I've, been, that I've been hanging out with most of my life, and they're a bunch of fools. Where do I get wise people to hang out with? Where do I get the, because I, I want to be wise. And I want to be more like Jesus, and I want to have his character. I want to have his nature. Where do I get these kind of friendships? And I, was just, I just want to give you several ideas. First of all, ask God. That's rocket science, isn't it? Some of you are like, man, I'm glad my pastor has a theology degree. Man, he worked really hard this week to come up with that one. Listen, we talk about a mindset of change is partnering with God, right? It's a with God mindset, right? That God is with me. If I believe that, and I'm trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and I need godly relationships, godly friendships in my life, why would I not ask him? I remember I was in high school, and uh, I was working on my grandfather's farm over on Huron Avery Real Farm, and so he had this whole field of sweet corn, and my job for the day, I had a hoe, and I was going around and thinning the corn. So like every other stalk, I'm just taking this hoe and just every other stalk. I mean, this is like my morning. And I remember being out in that field and I remember crying out to God and just saying, God, I need a Christian friend. I didn't have any Christian friends. I mean, I had people in, in church and youth group, but not in my school and not in other places. And I just felt all alone, like in trying to follow Christ. And it was, it was really getting to a point where I didn't know how I was going to be able to follow. I, I needed, I remember just crying out to God. And it was within months that God gave me a Christian friend. Can I tell you, sometimes we have not because we ask not. Maybe you recognize in your life that you, you need good, godly friendships. Ask God. Ask him. And see what he does. Number two, maybe, maybe, for you, maybe for you, you can get a godly friend by joining. 
We have in our church, we call them life groups. Some churches call them cell groups or small groups or everybody has a different name for them. But basically what a life group is, small groups of people, usually about six to eight people who gather to either study the Bible, share a common interest or pray together. Some groups are much larger and so it becomes, actually it becomes a struggle for larger groups to do this, to keep the intimacy. They usually have to, at the end of their groups, break up into smaller groups. And so really the best groups are smaller groups. Because it gives you that intimate space where you can ask questions, where you can say, hey, I need prayer. Sometimes in a really large group, and, and like here, it's hard to ask for prayer. You know, all, you know, all these other people, they've got, they've got all kinds of big issues. My issue isn't as big, and so I, I don't want, I don't want to call, cause a brownout in heaven, so I'm just not going to ask. In a small group, there's, there's few enough people you can say, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with this issue, maybe an issue with your spouse or an issue with your kid. Join a group. You know, what we do on Sunday mornings, this is great. The baptisms this morning, there's something about worshiping God together, that that when you're worshiping God on your own, you know, we know that when two or three are gathered together, that the presence of Christ is there. It's great to be inspired through the preaching of the word and all that. But can I tell you, there's nothing that compares to godly community. The transformations that have happened in my life, the changes that have happened in my life have always happened in small group environments. I want you to keep, that's not you going, oh, he doesn't want me to come to church anymore. Keep coming on Sunday mornings. But can I just challenge you to find a group to get involved in? You say, I don't even know where to start. Well, this is your lucky day. Out in the lobby, we have some tables set up and there's different groups that have put some information on their tables. But even beyond that, you can go to explorejourney.org and we have all of our groups are updated. Most of them are starting a brand new semester beginning next week. And you can get in. It's an easy on-ramp into a group. And listen, most of our groups have an easy exit date. So there's an easy off-ramp if you need to get out of a group. Have you ever started, don't raise your hand. You ever start attending a group and you're like, I'm never gonna be able to leave this group. It's going to be the rest of my life. We try to have easy on-ramps and off-ramps for groups and for serving. And so I just want to challenge you, check out those groups. If you have our Church Center app, all those groups are on there. And there's groups for all. We're starting up a brand new young adults Bible study for ages 18 to 25. Maybe you're in that age group. It's starting this Wednesday. There's all kinds of great groups that you can check out. Marriage groups and I think parenting groups and all uh, addictions groups and recovery groups and loving an addict and all kinds of great groups. You need to check those out. Number three, reach out. We're asking a question, where do you get godly friends? Sometimes you're going to need to reach out. And listen, one of the things that, 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 that I'm concerned about and so many other people are concerned about is, is increasingly we, we, we're getting to the place where we would love to live our lives in isolation, sitting alone on a couch, just, just scrolling through our phones. And I think especially after COVID, it takes something for, I don't care who you are, it takes something to get outside of your, and to, and to go and sit with a group of people that you don't know. Some of you feel the anxiety rising, me just talking about that. Can I just challenge you just to try it, just to reach out and to, to move into that place, maybe even of uncomfort, because you never know what God will do through that. And then here's my last one. Where do you go to get godly friends? Start being one. Be one. Be a godly friend. When someone shares a prayer request with you, you know, remember it. Pray about it. Let them know that you're praying. Send them a text and let them know that you're praying. Pay attention to the people around you. Man, a great laboratory to start trying this is in church. 
On Sunday morning, when you come into church, if, if I could wave a magic wand as your pastor, yes, I, I want you to read the word of God, I'd want you to pray, all those things would be first in the list. But here's one for our church experiences. If I could wave a magic wand, it would be that we would all start greeting the people on the road that we're sitting in. You say, pastor, I've only been coming for four months, and so I've been coming about four months and nobody ever greets me. I come into my row, I sit, nobody ever greets me. You wanna know the reason why? Our church is growing so quickly that you're probably sitting next to people who have only been coming three months. <laughs> so here, here's a challenge, introverts included. What if we all just greet the people in the row that we're sitting with every Sunday morning? I'm not asking you to greet everybody in the room. Just greet the people in your row. Greet the people in the row that's sitting in front of you. Greet the people in the row that's sitting behind you. Listen, if we started doing that, it would change things, wouldn't it? Here, here's, here's something in the back of your Bible. And if you don't have, if your Bible's on a phone, you have a notes app that you can. Give your Bible, there are blank pages. You know, you can write on those blank pages. <gasps> I can't write in the holy word of God. Yeah, they're there for you to write on. The blank pages are there for you to write on. And when you meet, write their name down because you will forget their name if you don't write it down. So you write bald guy or shaved head with a beard. He spits a lot. I think his name's Ken. Write down Ken. Shaved head, beard, spits a lot. And the next time you have a cheat sheet, and you can look at your cheat sheet and remember their name. And after a few weeks, you won't need to look at your cheat sheet because you'll actually remember. It's, it's incredible. And you have permission that even after the worship has started, because a lot of you, it's amazing how different this room is at the beginning of service. And then two songs into, like, there's, all of a sudden, all the people have appeared, like the beginning of the service, like nobody's in the room. You have permission, even after the singing has started, that if someone comes in and sits a couple chairs away from you, you're allowed to scoot over and just say, hey, I'm glad you're here. And scoot back and start singing. Here's what I think, you know, there, a great poet of our culture said this, sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name and none of the young people know where I'm going with this. And they're always glad you came, right? And why is it that a bar can be more welcoming than the house of God? Why is it that a bar can be more welcoming than the house of God? Here's what, you want a friend? Be one, welcoming. I'm not telling you to change your personality. You can still be an introvert and be welcoming. You don't have to be Pastor Aaron. I thank God for Pastor Aaron, I'm glad for his extrovertedness. You don't, you don't have to be, you can be who you are and how God wired you to be and still be welcome and still greet the people next to you and the row in front of you, the row behind you. And wouldn't it be awesome is if even as we grow as a church, people would say, you know, yeah, they're growing as a church, but they're still so welcoming. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if people who are walking through this room and they're just looking for some kind of hope, walk in and they would instantly feel loved and welcomed that this would be a safe place where they could be confronted with the truth of God's word. Listen, this, this is more important than we realize. Your relationships, your friendships are so key to the changes that you wanna make in your life. And in all of this, Jesus is our example. 
Jesus valued relationships. Jesus, think about this, Jesus himself is in an eternal relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, he has lived and existed in an eternal relationship, an eternal community called the Trinity. Jesus, when he became man, he comes to this earth, Think of how easy Jesus could have just had those horse blinders and been like, don't talk to me. Don't talk, I'm, I'm here to do one thing. I'm here to die on a cross, to take the curse of humanity's sins upon myself, to die for the punishment. I don't need to talk to you right now. He could have just lived an isolated life and just waited for the Father to give him permission that now is the time to go to Jerusalem. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't do that. Jesus intentionally lived in community. He calls 12 Jewish teenagers to come and follow him. And then just because he has a sense of humor, think of who he called. He called fishermen. He called a Jewish nationalist. You say, what's a Jewish nationalist? Jewish nationalists are like down with the Roman empire. Freedom, right? Okay, here's the sense of humor. Then he calls a tax collector named Matthew. Can you imagine a room with a Jewish nationalist and a guy who had sold out to the Roman Empire? He was Jewish, but he had sold out to the Roman Empire. Those had to be some crazy fun conversations. And Jesus just starts hanging out with him for three years. He hardly goes anywhere without one of these knuckleheads. He's talking to them, they're, they're walking, they're talking. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about a new culture, a new way of doing things, a new way of living. And slowly, they start becoming more and more like Jesus. They start telling the same kind of stories. They start using the same words that Jesus is using. And what Jesus is doing is he's building a group that after his death and resurrection and ascension will radically turn this world upside down. Jesus valued relationships. And Jesus wants you to be a part of community. He wants you to have healthy relationships. Jesus knows that we're better together. This is why, if you notice in the Gospels, Jesus would never send a disciple out by themselves. I mean, whether it was a big thing like casting demons out of people and healing people, he always sent them out in twos. Even the small things, like he's about to ride into Jerusalem and he needs a donkey to do it. He doesn't just send out one disciple. He sends out two disciples to find this stinking donkey. He wants you to be a part of community. Are you a part of the family of God? Are you a part of the community of God? You say, what does that even mean, Pastor? If you come to the end of yourself, the scripture says that when we come to the end of ourselves and we humble ourselves and we say, Jesus, I have sinned against you. I believe you are the son of God, that you're risen from the dead. I need your forgiveness. I need you to be first and center in my life. That the moment that we do that, we receive the grace of God. We receive his forgiveness. And listen to this, he adopts us into his family. We become a part of the eternal everlasting family of God. Are you a part of the family of God? Or are you still on the outside? You know, you, you can change that this morning. This morning, you can make a choice to follow Jesus. And in that moment, you don't just receive his forgiveness. You become a part of the family, the forever family of God. In church, it's time that we start acting like a family. It's time that we get over some of our COVID isolationalist tendencies and I'm not asking you to take a hundred steps if you're an introvert what if you just take one step <laughs> toward community toward relationships
I mean, would you bow your heads with me? First things first, maybe you're here and you're not a part of the family of God. You've, you've never asked Jesus to be first in your life. You've never confessed your need for him. You say, Jesus, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I need him to lead me. I wanna, I wanna follow him. I, I've tried living for myself and it is not working out so great. I need Jesus to be first. I need his forgiveness. If that's you, we're not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna have you stand. We're not gonna ask you to come to the front. We really do believe that baptism is a place where we publicly declare that we're following Jesus. But if that's you and you're ready for Jesus to be first in your life and you say, Ken, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. I see you right there, yeah. Who else? I see you, yeah. I see you too, yep. I see you, I see you. Anybody else that would say that's me? Yep, I see you too. Anybody else that would say that's me? I see you, yeah. Anyone else? Can I just tell you, you raised your hand. I want you to know God loves you. He's been waiting for this moment. He's not in a bad mood. He loves you. He's been waiting for you. All over this room, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? And it's not a formula. It's not praying these words exactly in the right, you know. It, it's meaning this. But would you, I just want to give you a prompt because some of you are like, I don't even know how to pray this. So I want to give you a prompt. So all over this room, would you pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the son of God, crucified and risen from the dead. That Jesus has the authority to forgive me of my sins. So I ask you to cleanse me. I want you to be first in my life. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you raised your hand a moment ago, and so many of you did, on, on the bottom of your Connect card, that blue Connect card that Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier, you can check my next step. Would you, would you check that you're starting a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you want information on baptism. Make sure to check that box. And as you're leaving today, we have Scott, good looking Scott back there. Maybe someone will jump back there and help him. Uh, we'll have probably several people back there with white buckets and you can stick those connect cards in the buckets as you're leaving. Would you stand to your feet? This week, may you know the love of God and may you walk with the wise. May you know godly community so that you can become more like Jesus. We'll see you guys next week. God bless you.